Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 381, and today we'll be talking about I Was a Teenage Abomination from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Well, gee, David, holidays are pretty weird. I feel like we just talked yesterday. Yeah, we're just like recording a bunch of episodes back to back this week, and uh, that's fun. I saw you guys pop into the recording queue just by chance. Oh, that would have been amazing just to come into the middle. I was tempted, but I feel like that joke is really only funny once. Um, Didn't that happen once? It did, literally. I did pop in mid-recording. That was amazing. I don't remember when. It was definitely Steven (laughs) Universe. Mm, I don't know, because I would have participated in a Steven Universe recording. Oh, oh, that's true. It would have been the Dark Ages right after Steven Universe ended then. (laughs) Yeah, where you guys (laughs) are finding stuff to talk about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know what Steven Universe person did participate in the creation of this episode? Uh, no. Who? Kimberly Brooks provided the voice of not only Jasper from Steven Universe, but the kindergarten teacher that horrified Ida. Wow. <laughs> that, <laughs> that totally went over my head. I think as a child, you see Ida as like a crazy um, wild card, and then as an adult, you see that she's right. <laughs> Like, she's, like, obviously this episode is trying to paint her as, like, only a little bit deranged, but as the show goes on, like, she has much more of a leg to stand on, but, like, I was on her side from the beginning, right? She was looking through the window and looking at the little kindergartners, and she was like, no! School! And I was like, (laughs) she's right! (laughs) Standardized education. They do make it even more compelling in this universe how horrible school is in in this one too so this was my this is going to be my (laughs) last episode of the owl house where i have no idea what's coming next schedule's looking pretty open for the next couple weeks i i don't know how that happened but i'll have plenty of time to burn through the owl house at least the first season after this yeah i don't know how i do not know how you could like go into these recordings just fresh it's amazing it's pretty easy actually Because I just, like, sit here and I'm dropping spoilers, I'm talking about future episodes, I have no idea what's happening, and it's like... Eh, (laughs) I'll be fine. Oh, oh, you guys want to talk about... I I know I mentioned that Willow and Gus were in the end credits in the first episode, and they were in the title sequence for the second episode. Well, in this episode, Willow changes her outfit from purple to green since she joins the plant program rather than the abomination program Mm -hmm. and i'm like i I saw in the end credits wait a minute she's wearing green there's something weird about this so i so i go back and she was wearing purple up until the end credits for this episode and then they switch that is attention to detail that i do not expect i expect the opening and closing themes to remain static but they changed it as appropriate that's what they did with shira which I found very funny, because the last oh, season, the season, there was so much changing going on, and they're like, every time something happens, like, we want the theme song to be a spoiler for what has <laughs> happened in the previous episodes. Like, if you even so much as catch the theme song of an episode up ahead, like, it's gonna give you spoilers. And I found that very funny, like, I, was it really worth all that work? Like, I'm happy that they did it, <laughs> but like, dang, animation is hard! And they had to have all these files with just like minor differences and keeping track of all of them and in what order. Ooh, I drawing well, the we're sprites. Talking about it, aren't we? Drawing the sprites 
for for our video recordings of this podcast was insanely tedious because I had to draw the exact same drawing but with a little arm up or with a little facial deviation or something. It was just incredibly time consuming. But they did that for a whole theme song for a whole season. Good for them. This has nothing to do with the Owl House. <laughs> no, it's uh. it's a great reflection on, you know, that that detail is something that helps this thing feel timeless. Like all this little effort everywhere contributes to something that I can go back to in five or ten years and say, yeah, look at this great, complete artistic thing that has integrity from, you know, the start of every episode to the end credits. It's really cool. I also like making our recordings as hostile to new listeners as possible. Like, no, you (laughs) don't. You don't get a start just about us talking about the Owl House, right? Like, you gotta start all the way to episode one. First, watch Steven Universe, right? In the order that we watched it. Um, and then from there, you have to watch the cartoons that we watched in the order that they came out. So if, if we're talking about season yep. three and season four hasn't come out yet, you can't watch season four yet. Or you can and listen to us speculate. Honestly, that would be much funnier. It's an amazing premise. This podcast. <laughs> the Lunar Seaspire Expanded Universe. Okay. Uh, well, the episode. <laughs> I like the other, I like the next pun episode title. Like, the, the, the children probably won't understand or know anything about werewolves or anything? what it's referencing. I mean, come on. SpongeBob had I was a teenage Gary, so that has to count for something <laughs> carrying that reference forward. And Absolutely. the episode that I watched it as a child, like, I can't tell you what episode that was. Because I don't know. <laughs> the one where he turns into Gary. He just, like, takes yeah. a vaccine well, a that was meant for a snail. For a snail, and then he becomes a snail. Meow, meow, yeah. meow. Oh, I do remember that. I feel like they aired that one less because it was a weird one. I mean, SpongeBob <laughs> looks horrifying. It is a little disturbing. I mean, it's not like uh, karate choppers that just completely disappeared from the air for a while. Um, You know what else doesn't make sense? Human knowledge and knowledge about the human world into the pop culture of uh, the characters of this show. I do like that. I think that's fun. I cannot believe that Luz messed with Gus like that. Actually, they're restoring treats. It's like, no! No, don't don't give him wrong information! He's wrong enough as it is! I think, I mean, she may have genuinely believed that. <laughs> what was what was Gus's question? Oh, the braces. Yeah, no, she may genuinely believe, like, yeah, no, I had braces for storing food. Snack for later. Which is... She apparently was a weird <laughs> kid, that's what they tell me. I mean, if you had braces, it's inevitable. I wouldn't have defined them as snacks. <laughs> Like, I wouldn't have defined the crud that built up around my teeth with, you know, no way a decent flavor to be something to be enjoyed at a later time. But, you know. Maybe she's just making light of the misery that is having braces. <laughs> I don't know. She seemed to be enjoying being a teenage abomination, though. I, yeah, I, I think she was I just like... Why... I put my money that she was the dog every time the kids played house in the neighborhood. Oh, Oh, we found Bridget's stepsister. No, not that kind of... I don't think she would have wanted to be the dog in this scenario. GC is referencing Craig of the Creek, where a child is obsessed with dogs, but in an uncomfortable way, like leading a cult about dogs. Yeah. Sounds about right. And convincing children that they're like... That dogs tell them 
the reality of the world. But uh, no, Willow, just because it'd be sad. I don't. Her nickname's kind of weak. I, I, you know, I feel like if people are calling you Half Witch Willow, it's like it's fine because those kids aren't very creative. So is she like literally a half witch, or is that just them being mean? I think it's just them being mean, but in a like deeply uncreative way. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not like witch racism. Right, it's not like the Harry Potter, like, actually half-blood type, <laughs> type thing, right? Like, mud-blood. So I don't I don't really know. I feel like it's kind of hinting at that. Because which is both, which is both, in this universe, a race and a profession. Oh, speaking of their, the professional aspirations of witches, I was really surprised, I was just listening through parts of the episode a second time, and Willow's talking to herself, you know, there are better opportunities on this track, and I'm like, the ability to summon one of these things, like, is that really such a hot job opportunity? Really? Well, yeah, because then twice the labor, half the pay. Is this like the kid who switches from violin to viola because violists get paid better or something? I don't... I mean, if if there's a Boiling Isles capitalism, I could see it definitely being a plus in the labor industry. You know, you'd think being able to run a one-man farm all by yourself would, like, more than make up for the fact that you have the cheap, dumb labor. I don't know. I j- like I said, boiling house capitalism. It doesn't make sense. I mean, Ida tries. Yeah, people are paying Ida for uh, candy that I'm pretty sure is just deodorant. What? Yeah, one of the one, when she tries to sell loose some human candy, she whips out some deodorant. Oh, I do remember that. Don't yep. bite into that. I mean, we've all been there. I'd like to think Gus would set her straight on that one, but I don't know about that kid. <laughs> um, I do really like Luz in this episode. She's very charming, and how she just immediately, immediately dislikes Amity and takes sides with Willow. <laughs> she loves the underdog. She goes 110% into the abomination acting, <laughs> which I love. I love how <laughs> all you had to do was tell her lie. And she immediately just starts lying. Like, she had those ready to go. Chemtrails are real! (laughs) (laughs) Chemtrails. That was really good. Viral fame is a worthwhile pursuit. I also like, first of all, they were great lies, right? Like, each one of those just was like a punch to the face in a good way. It was hilarious and funny. But also the fact that the Boiling Isles residents probably have no freaking idea what she's talking about. They're like, is that a lie? I don't know. (laughs) I found that. Like, that moment... Even before rewatching the episode, um, stuck with me as like a very funny, very good loose moment, and I, and I just, uh, I just love her so much. She's so funny. But that was a deeply uncomfortable scene. The principal bump wanted to murder her. Did he? Did he really know? I think he knew the whole time. Yeah, I, I'm pretty. I'm really hoping that he was he was planning on stopping before any incision was made. But boy, does he uh... not give any indication of that. I, they, they're pretty lax about murder in that school, even of non-humans, of like demons and witches. Like, their students get murdered quite frequently, and it's no big deal. I mean, Principal Bump isn't a right. terrible dude, though, if I'm remembering later. He has quite the presence in the in, in his introduction here, a little more menacing. <laughs> yeah, he becomes like not as insanely evil later on in the show and more just like a benign funny silly little man it's just like okay yeah but not in the same way that like 
Hordak in Shira becomes a <laughs> benign and silly little man. It's a it's a completely different transformation. I think not Hordak was way sillier than real Hordak. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, sure, but that's not even a character transformation. Yeah, but oh man, that that was oh, and then when he hands the knife to Will, maybe he was just really hoping that she would refuse to do it. But I don't know. Again, he's a very good actor. If uh, if he was. Like, he, the man's got a poker face. Yes. I, I thought that his uh, school lockdown was very, very great, by the way. Although, the scene loses a little bit of weight when she's literally directly attacking him, and it's like, even before you see his <laughs> impressed reaction, it's obvious, well, obviously he's going to be impressed by this. There's There's no way they're going to throw her, like, there's no way they're going to do anything too bad to Willow, you see. But I... I guess I... Oh, no, no, I did I did figure that she would get dropped into the plant track, but I'm glad. I'm glad. She's happier. She is, of course. I mean, it's kind of surprising that's the only consequence, though. I mean, her magic... What's the power level of this? Like, is she way <laughs> more powerful than other people her age? She's probably a way more powerful plant mage than she is an abomination mage, that's for sure. Like, if you can get top dollar plant mage money then that's probably a lot more than mediocre abomination mage money. Her parents didn't figure that in when they were doing the math. Yes, I also appreciated the introduction to Amity. The jump on the table was quite nice. Yes, I I liked how they (laughs) made her a little bit more unhinged than the usual high school mean girl. They they play on a lot of high school mean girl tropes, though. I like when she was backing away. You can clearly see the person she's going to bump into. But she just bumps into him and like pays, pays him <laughs> keeps no walking back. He's the one who's like, whoa. So he's the only one interfered with by that. They make it very clear that her personality is being driven by some very specific internal motivations, though. Whereas yeah. your more stereotypical, you know, queen of the school is just going to be a jerk because it makes her happy. Yeah, they're mean they're mean for the hell of it, versus she's just like yeah. something's getting out of it. Um, right, clearly she has this need to be this top student, and even her interaction with Willow at the beginning, she's not just putting Willow down, she's in her own head thinking that she's helping Willow at the same time that she's also asserting her place in, you know, the hierarchy <laughs> that she's made up in her head. So that's cool, because, you know, it's not just purely, like, you know, I can imagine an interaction where at the end of it, uh, Amity would just go, ha ha! as she like walks away like having just insulted willow and it's not that level of ridiculous drama it's it's something more balanced very close to it's my duty as top student to encourage you (laughs) yeah i i I loved at the end when she's chasing willow give me my badge (laughs) i I really was surprised that willow never threw it at her to get her out of the way my good noodle star (laughs) 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 yeah Kids do like the stickers and the tiny little meaningless signs of approval. Like, the, like it, it, very important in the child hierarchy. Poor, psychologically manipulatable children. Yes, exactly. They're like little plastic, I don't know, NFTs or something. Because you, <laughs> you need the same amount of brain power to want an NFT as you need to want a shiny sticker. <laughs> now that half of our listeners have turned off the podcast, let's talk about it. <laughs> I do want to say how disappointed I was, though, by their Abomination 101 teacher. Like, how do you not look at Luz and be like, yeah, that's not an abomination. Like, this is kind of your department, dude. 
I mean, they can come in different shapes and sizes, so... But the only ones we've seen had goo everywhere, and Luz had a very ungooey face. Like, there's a texture to those things that Luz lacked. Also, the man is incredibly lazy. Use your own two feet for crying out loud. <laughs> he likes the extra height. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, m- maybe a Doc Ock solution would have been better than just literally being carried. Uh, yeah, maybe. If you want to get carried, log into League of Legends. Jeez. Ugh. I think they do make it obvious that teacher doesn't know uh, as much about his own class as he should, because Principal Bump just grabs loose, cracks her spine, and then in my head, he's thinking, yeah, this is not an abomination. <laughs> so I mean, to be, the guy is just the 101 teacher, so. But still, it's his department. You, th- you figure knowing what an abomination is is pretty early in the class. Add that to the list of cinema sins. Literally unwatchable. <laughs> Literally unwatchable. Ding! <laughs> How about uh, uh, King's Little Pet? Yeah, so that B-plot was fun. <laughs> it, you, knew, you knew where it was going. I'm sad that they didn't keep it. They got it tiny, now they just need to stop feeding it so much. I can't believe they didn't kill it. I really thought they were going to kill it. It was very sweet that it just became a little baby again. They did give him the baby eyes. They tried. Oh, they tried. <laughs> they would have killed him no remorse. I, can't, I mean, King's line, I have no son, was beautiful. <laughs> why are they a- also, why are they acting like the worm is committing this huge betrayal by trying to eat King? Like, if I freaking, if I got a tiger cub and raised it, <laughs> and then 15 years down the line, when it's like a full-grown adult that eats me, right, no one is blaming the tiger. As a matter of fact, it happens all the time. It's legal to own tigers in Texas. People get eaten by their tigers all the time. You would probably feel immensely betrayed, however. Me? Yes, you. Uh, keep a tiger cub as a pet. Well, you wouldn't have a tiger to begin with. Correct. Look, if my baby tiger grew up to eat me, I know I would be very disappointed in that tiger. This isn't how I raised you! If my cats ate me, I'd be like, yeah. Fair. <laughs> That is, bon that appetite, is the sister. third lose lie told, or the, well, it's technically seconded order. Yeah, that was your second one. Your cat totally will totally not eat you if given the chance. I mean, statistically, dogs are more likely to eat you because um, cats but are very picky eaters. So. But everyone will eat you, right? Like, yep, if they're hungry enough. Your your mother will eat you. If Donner, party of four, anyone? Exactly. Thank you, right? Like, <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, and the worm's size was very manageable, right? Like the second it became too big, like oh, here's some salt, right? And then it's a manageable size again. You can't ungrow a tiger. I think Ida was pretty on top of the situation the whole time, and I think King was the only one disillusioned into thinking he was actually succeeding. Although I guess Ida did concede that he had won the bet and was hanging out with her dunce hat. I'm not sure why she did. It was because- that she had lost by default. The the bet was right. all about him raising a loyal soldier, but she took it as a loss as soon as she lost lose, so we can tell what the bet was really about. Well, I feel like Ida should have probably... Because Ida, t- to be fair, was not being that great of a teacher. Oh, no. Like, she was just like, help me dumpster dive in a rotting carcass. Yeah, and there was no secret lesson beneath it. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, it was just, just like, yeah. I need somebody to help me do my weird hobbies. <laughs> Yeah, despite Luz's best effort to extract a meaningful lesson out of it, uh, Ida's just like, hey, thing, 
Yeah, and I would have appreciated Ida, like, actually telling Luz, like, hey, I'm gonna change. Instead of, like, Ida having her lesson separate from Luz, and Luz just immediately, because she just gave you garbage, right? It wasn't with any intent, like, oh, this is important. Like, it was just a walnut or a seed or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, like just because the banana peel she shoved in your pocket turned out to slip the bad guy later on in the episode doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that that was her plan all along. Right, it was sweet, but... Luz consumes way too much fiction, so she's used to the wise <laughs> mentor figure having planned ahead for all of this. She's like, that was foreshadowing for the time, and I'm like, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, everyone watching Luz put that in her pocket, they're wondering, okay, so how's this gonna play out? Yeah, they put the gun down in the, in the, in the scene, when's the, what is it, the... Chekhov's gun? Yeah. When you hang the when you mention the rifle hanging up in Act One, it has to go off by Act Three. Yeah, or else it was a waste of time. So literally, exactly what happened in this episode. Yep, but with a little gross slime ball. Yep, that turned out to be a gross little seed. I I loved that it was it was Luz who gets banned from the school, not Willow for assaulting her principal. <laughs> also, I'm we mentioned this a little bit a second ago, but. Where is bo- the Boiling Isles getting all of this human media and knowledge yes. inserted into their pop culture? Like, is it just Ida? Right. Like, they don't even know that guy from 300 years ago that's going to come up later in the show. Sorry, GC. Yeah. Like, it's it, it's solely Ida selling stuff from the human dimension. Which is pretty they... weird that it's that widespread. Now, Willow says that, oh, you know, Gus is really good at identifying humans. And I guess that means that she herself, because she, you know, saw uh, Luz's ears and thought, oh, this is a human. She she kind of says other people, other witches aren't as good as identifying them. I, but it seems still spread. And no, it doesn't freak anybody out because I guess they're monsters and they live in a magic world. So they're OK with dimensions and other worlds existing. I don't know why all these other worlds are always okay with humans, but humans are very afraid of, you know, other dimensions existing. But I feel like it doesn't come up a lot, though. People aren't deeply interested in it, whereas we'll see, like, later on, you know, our reality, there are people who are obsessed with the magic realm, and it only takes place in, like, conspiracy theorist basements and stuff. That's because they don't have the ability to open portals themselves. The people on the Boiling Isles do. Only Ida, though. She's literally the only one? Only Ida, and do people even really know? People don't know that Ida has access to the portal because, well, okay, this is kind of like a general problem I have with the show, which is like, Ida's a criminal and they could literally arrest her and, or kill her at any time and they just don't for they some tried. reason. It's like they don't know where her house is or something. Extremely <laughs> poorly funded uh, criminal justice program, as it should be. Yeah, but like, it's dumb because... It would be really easy to know that she had a portal. Like, she has all this human stuff all the time. Like, any scout at all could have told the king, but, you know, I guess they didn't. Well, I mean, later in the show, they do try and apprehend her, and it becomes a whole thing that it's like, are we really gonna spend all of this time and resources into, like, arresting this wild card whose biggest issue is just, like, a nuisance? Like, nonconformist and a nuisance, right? Sell stuff without a license, right? If some. If some guy lived at Fort Knox, but, like, his worst crime was selling tamales in the parking lot of a Home Depot, <laughs> like, you're not gonna get 
you know, the entire SWAT team to take down Fort Knox just because he posts, like, communist memes on Facebook or something, right? Like, That's it's true, not... except she's most wanted. She said she was the most wanted criminal. I think she may just be saying that for clout. We've seen the wanted posters. Like, she is wanted, but she just lives in a straight-up regular-ass house with a giant talking owl, you know, incorporated in it, and she sells stuff to people every day in the market. Would you try to fight your way past Alex Hirsch? I would not. So maybe the the other law enforcement officers are giving him the same respect. I don't know. This is one aspect in which I think that shows a little loose, which is like she's the most wanted criminal, but she just owns property and sells things in a market in which we've seen like policemen before. I mean, does she own that land or did she just put a house there and it was just <laughs> unclaimed territory? I mean, even more reason to arrest her. <laughs> I mean, there seems to be a lot of the Boiling Isles that's just, like, untamed wilderness. So, although she's within walking distance of an entire, like, campus, so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She seemed to be running. Running distance. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny. All right. She's like, I hate the school. I hate education. I hate this institution. I'm going to build my house, like, three blocks away. <laughs> In, with the entire aisles. Just to scowl at it every day. Yeah, yeah, just so I can throw eggs and TP it. <laughs> that sounds like something she would do. It, it does. And they'd be like horrible griffin eggs or something. I don't know. Hydra eggs. Get some Mau Mau in there. Yeah, we, yeah, she had those oviducts. Those, I mean, they were eggs from that carcass. Maybe they were for, maybe that's why she had so many. It was just to throw at the school. Maybe. <laughs> I just love how proud she was of Luz for her wanted poster. That was, well, I mean, technically it's a banned poster, but close enough. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, she's right. Gotta start somewhere. I'm. <laughs> I don't know. Breaking rules in high school is just, like, so overplayed in its severity when, like, the consequences matter so little. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, if my kid got suspended from school for doing, like, something completely innocuous. Like, breaking a rule that harms nobody, I'd be like, high five. Right? I mean, that was my high school experience of every dress code violation, every, yeah. oh, you can't be wearing a hoodie. Oh, such good times. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> breaking the rules has its place. Anyway, guys, that's been us on I Was a Teenage Abomination. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. Are we still on iTunes? Listen! Everybody, if you have a Windows desktop, download iTunes, give us a review. We only need two people, and then do 100, and then delete the app off the face of the earth. That's great. I will die happy. Thank you and good night.